everyone. Welcome to Pop Cult X, episode 17. My name is Gabriel. Hey everyone, I'm Daniel. And uh, let's go ahead and get started. Yeah, well, before we get started, as you can see, <laughs> you can see us. We can't see you, but you can see us. And we're trying out something new. So for this episode, we are going to be giving you a little glimpse behind the curtain into what makes our brains tick, so to speak. So you're going to be seeing us as we talk, as we deliver you all of our pop culture um, references and news and topics and and whatnot. You'll be able to find us. So if you go, if you're not already there on YouTube and you haven't subscribed, do it. If you're listening to this, go to youtube.com slash popcultx or search for popcultx on YouTube, find us, subscribe and watch us. You'll be tantalized. I think <laughs> <laughs> I just had like visions of reading comments of people telling us that we have a perfect base for podcast or for radio. <laughs> Isn't that thing? You have the perfect face for radio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope co- all the po- ah, comments are positive. If not, well, Hey, to each his own, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, <laughs> but any anything catch your eye this week, Gabe? Um, I was kind of going through like some of the the stuff that you know was in pop culture news this week. Considering that that's mm-hmm. our gig that we talk about, you know, music, movies, film, etc. Um, there wasn't anything that really I I think this past week really caught my attention. Um, but I kind of was, a slow week, yeah. Yeah, it's been kind of a slow week. There hasn't been anything that's like been super newsworthy. Um, but I did get a chance to watch A Quiet Place 2 on Premiere Plus. Um, I was really looking oh, forward to okay. that movie. Um, and so we finally yeah, saw yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. I have to say that I was like slightly disappointed. Uh, and without getting like really into the, you know, the p- plot or like what happens in the movie, just my my like main takeaway or what I felt about it was that it was really like almost unnecessary. I don't really feel like anything happened in the movie that was pushing the plot forward. Yeah. I mean, I really like the characters. I love the actors. I love, you know, I loved the first one. It was really creative. It was like, I enjoyed it. Um, And and this one, it's, it almost was like a rehash of the same thing where there was nothing, Uh. at least in my opinion, there was nothing new about it. So um, I wouldn't rush out to go see it if you haven't seen it. Um, I saw it for free on pop uh, on uh, well, I already forgot what it's called. Premiere Paramount 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 uh, Paramount uh, Plus. Yeah. Um, so you know it was cool, like I guess to watch for free. But I'm kind of glad that I didn't go see it in the theaters because I would have been really disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it would have heightened it more because isn't that what John Krasinski really wanted was for people? That's why he related uh, delayed the releases. He really wanted people to see it in the theater. So I, I I mean not to be overly cynical, but I kind of feel like it was a cash grab, like that they did really well uh, with the first one, and they're like, we have to make a sequel, <laughs> but they really didn't think about what they wanted to say or do in the sequel, and and so mm-hmm. it, I mean nothing really like nothing like nothing like nothing happens character wise. <laughs> it just like it unfolds, and then you're like, okay, well I I watched it. Like, uh, that's it. Like, it's it just, over. Yeah. Like, okay, well, that was, you know, whatever. But um, I, I really love Emily Blunt. Um, they did film sort of like a yeah, small, like, prequel kind of like where you see 
like the first mm-hmm. day when like the aliens or whatever monsters come. So that was kind of cool. And then, like, that kind of made me excited. Like I was like, okay, cool. Like we're going to see. Yeah. You know, I saw that bit in like the trailer. Yeah. So I was excited for it too. Yeah. And, but then after that, like it just kind of, <laughs> yeah, it just, it, and there's a couple of uh, moments there that, that are like, I, I call them kind of like Steve, Steve, uh, Steven Spielberg moments where like kids do things that are like, incredibly stupid um because he loves to make people like little kid like young people do like (laughs) things that are just like ridiculously stupid like a really great example of that is like the girl in the jeep in jurassic park when she has like the flashlight and she's like just throw it like it like okay she yes she's granted she's scared she's a young person but like she's not a freaking moron like she's like you know like and, and he kind of loves to like it's to build the suspense i get it but like it's sometimes it's a little board, yeah like it's a little much like i maybe i have a little yeah. bit more faith in in the education of young people but um there was a couple moments like that in this that i was like uh that kid's really stupid and they don't have to be but anyway that, that that's where my thoughts are on that movie <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> well, you said cash grab and that made me laugh because I was said I wasn't going to talk about it, but I watched Space Jam 2, the new legacy with oh, nice. LeBron James. And and it was a total cash grab, grab, yeah, grab. It seemed like it was a two hour commercial for Warner Brothers. Nice. Um, it was, you know, I liked the first one because, you know, Michael Jordan, big sports fan that I am. And I liked all of its tie into pop culture. But with this one, it seemed like there was characters in there that were just there to be there to like, you know, advertise for Warner brothers studios, which I, hmm. in a way it's, I understand because it is Warner brothers created yeah. this, but like, why is the penguin from Batman returns on the sideline of the court during the basketball game? I don't know. <laughs> but he was there. <laughs> and, but it was, you know, it was, if, if you like the first one, you'll like the second one, I think. It was what it was. I wasn't expecting too much out of it to begin with. Yeah. Um, but Don Cheadle, he was like the big bad villain, I guess you would call in this movie. And he he had some liners that were pretty funny. So I, I enjoyed his his take on the character that he portrayed. But yeah, I mean, it's I wouldn't rush out to watch it. It was on HBO Max. Yeah. Watch it there if you have a chance. Why not? Yeah, I feel like I, I kind of want to watch it just because when it came to like cartoons when I was a kid, I was very much like more of a fan of like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck than mm-hmm. I was Mickey mm-hmm. Mouse or Donald Duck. Like I, yeah. they just, those cartoons like just didn't appeal to me. It was more like the sarcastic Daffy Duck or like the, you know, Bugs Bunny being sort of like rascally and like kind of a smart ass. <laughs> like I just love like that uh-huh. was like more uh-huh. my, my style. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I do love them. So I, I want to watch it for that. And then I'm kind of interested in like, as you mentioned, they have sort of little cameos in the background of like these random Warner Brothers properties. And I've heard that there's some characters that are probably not the most child friendly ones, but the, like kids would never pick it up. But like, it's like some <laughs> right. from like some like crazy horror movie, like the devils or I don't know what it, I don't think I've even seen it. Um, and like some other um, a clockwork orange like one of the characters from a clockwork yeah. orange yeah uh so like i i love when there's sort of those hidden gems for adults to see that kids won't even notice mm-hmm. uh, and so i'm kind of mm-hmm. curious like i'm gonna pause and like watch and see like who i can identify you know i i think that'd be really cool to go back and watch it and pause during the background scenes and seeing how many characters we can point out 
That'd yeah. be really fun. Yeah. If anyone watches it out there, just leave us a message. Let us know what characters you saw, who you've seen in Space Jam 2. That way we can go back and look for them. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I'll probably go check it out just for that. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, the thing that's coming out this Friday, um, July 23rd, is Ted Lasso Season 2. Now, as we've talked about before, we're both really big fans of the show, but part of me is getting a little stressed out for <laughs> reasons that I can't really put my finger on because I want the show to be so successful because everyone I tell about it, I really hype it up and I really, you know, because it is such a great show. Season one was fantastic, yeah. but I'm afraid that season two won't live up to that hype, but I know, and it, and it, like I tweeted out the other day, and I think Bill Lawrence, one of the co-creators of the show, answered. He said, it couldn't possibly and live up to it, to season one hype. It Season two could not possibly live up to the hype that was generated by season one. So, you know, just accept that and move forward. Yeah. And he got a point. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but, I mean, at least for me personally, I came into watching season one with, like, zero expectations. And the fact mm -hmm. that, like, it unraveled to be like one of the standouts of like recent history of like what you know f some of my favorite shows um and so you mm -hmm. know going into season two you know i am looking forward to more of the same like same style of humor same character development some of the same you know yeah. the same character art but um like I, I i guess i'm not worried because like I, they did such a good job that i don't think it was a fluke that they understand their characters enough that yeah, you're they're right. going to bring them back in a good way. And I think of like another show mm -hmm. like um, The Marvel Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, where like the first one, like it's so good. And you're like, oh, where are they going to go with this? And they successfully have like had a couple seasons now under their belt where it's like they've kept mm -hmm. that bar really mm -hmm. high. And unlike like yeah. maybe America Horror Story, um, where it's like kind of rises and falls. Hit and, and miss. Yeah, it's like hit <laughs> or miss. So like I think that the writing is so good that like i'm pretty confident it's going to be a good second season so i'm like really excited and really looking forward to it yeah me too i'm really excited for it and i tell everyone i know go watch it go watch it go watch it go watch it so i'm really i'm totally team ted lasso and I'm, i can't wait for it i mean jason sudeikis plays a character that we all can rally around and i think he brings that home so well and so endearing to all of us yeah and you're right about mrs Maisel. Because I just started season three, <laughs> and it has not dropped one beat from when the first episode. It's of so season good. One. It's it so is, good. It is such a fantastic show. Yeah. yeah, it is so hilarious, and it keeps getting better and better. And and you want to see where they're going with it. So I guess I should just look at it that way and see the success of that show, and say, you know what, they know what they're doing. Trust in them, and it'll be all good. Yeah, and and don't forget to thank me for marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Because if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't be watching it. So you're welcome. <laughs> i think i have thanked you i'll thank you again I, I, I take all the credit it has nothing to do with their great show it, it has everything to do with me so and, and, and i do tell people when i mention that show my co-host at pop cult x re recommended this show to me and you need to go watch it too so i give you all the credit there Okay, rightfully so. Thank you. But speaking of speaking of Mrs. Mrs. Maisel, um, 
they have a lot of, and I talked about this a little bit in our interview last week with our guest um, stunt actress performer, Gelsey, is that their soundtrack and music is phenomenal. Yeah. And so that really got me thinking about, okay, we need to do an episode about music and songs that are iconic to movies. So almost like you hear a song and automatically you think of that movie. Yeah. Or you, you, you get told about a movie, automatically you think of that song. And I have a list of a few that I went through. So we can go back and forth if you want. Okay. So go ahead. If you want, just go ahead and um, tell us some of yours or one of yours. We can go back and forth with this. Yeah, right on. Um, so when you sort of gave me the assignment of like, what are some iconic songs of a film, you know, past, present, whatever. Um, one of the first things that came to my mind and was Over the Rainbow by Judy Garland in The Wizard oh, of Oz. yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it's, I mean, it... It's such a beautiful song. She obviously is like an icon. Like I love her voice. And um, it just, I don't know. It just evokes such strong feelings in me, like remembrances of childhood, like the theme of Wizard of Oz of like, you know, there's no place like home, like family, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. all of that. Like it's all wrapped up in that song and it's the lyrics are really beautiful. The melody, like, Everything about it is like perfect. Like, and then you have um, the remake, the or sort of a, a remake of it by I forget his name. I think it's Israel. Israel. Um, like a, uh, brother I, is that. Yeah, I'm not even going to try that last <laughs> name. Um, he did his version, and and it's like it's such a sweet, like feel good song. Like it's 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 almost mm-hmm. slightly mm-hmm. sad in a way. Like I don't know where I, like the sadness comes from, but like. Hearing it, it's like it's yeah, I guess maybe because it reminds me of my childhood and it's like, okay, you're not a kid anymore. But there's like a melancholy to it, but it, uh, it's so beautiful that um and it and it's so it's so iconic. Like you hear that song, you think of yeah. Wizard of Oz. Uh mm-hmm. and it's just it's a perfect song. It, it's so good. And it fit the movie perfectly and every the cast, I mean, it's just it's amazing. So that was my first dream. <laughs> An excellent choice that is. <laughs> My first choice of song, and it it's it's not sung by it's by a band. It's not sung by anyone in the cast, but it's um, "Eye of the Tiger" from Rocky. So yeah. when you hear "Eye of the Tiger," you're automatically thinking of Rocky Balboa and his training, and and also when you think of Rocky, the first thing that I think of is "Eye of the Tiger." And I was going to sing part of it, but I don't want to, you know, <laughs> we're on YouTube right now. So I don't want to embarrass myself even more than I already do. <laughs> um, but that song is the perfect, um, just, you know, motivator. It's, it's a great workout song. It's a song to get you pumped, get you going, get you moving, get you ready for the fight, you know? Yeah. And it's just, I think it's that song that fits that movie perfectly so it's one of the iconic songs that i chose yeah like i agree and and i think that it speaks to like the power and the legacy of that song is that even if you were to play it like right now like let's say you go to balboa park in san diego and you had it blasting from a stereo (laughs) like people of all ages would like run up and like put their arms up and like do the rocky pose like that's how ingrained it it is Uh in us that like a young kid would know that an old person would Mm -hmm. know that and, mm-hmm. and it's it's like it's not just the music it's not just the song but it's like the plot of the movie is like 
the feelings of of the triumph over the underdog adversity and, yeah. like all of that is packed into that song and those lyrics and it's just like such a perfect marriage of like song and movie and making like such a perfect pop culture moment that like its legacy has what probably like what 40 years it ha- i mean it has to be like at least yeah, 40 years like 50 that, like, it, like, yeah. six movies and yeah yeah, yeah. so Great choice with that one. Um, I, I'm kind of going chronologically because that's how my brain, I guess, worked today. Um, so the second <laughs> one that I thought of was it's sort of another melancholy song. So I don't know, maybe like my mood is kind of like huh, that today. Maybe but, that's the mood you're in right now. <laughs> yeah, um, Moon River um, by Audrey Hepburn from Breakfast at Tiffany's is like one of my all-time okay. favorite songs. Um, first of all, like. I love you like who doesn't love Audrey Hepburn like she's like the definition right. no, she's of a, like, she's, yeah. class class and, and beauty elegance, and yeah. grace yeah every all of that um mm-hmm. Breakfast at Tiffany's is one of my favorite movies like minus like the Asian stereotypes that are portrayed by Mickey Rooney which is like I like I, I almost <laughs> wish they could just edit it out because it like it doesn't add anything to it it's horrible um but the rest of it I just I love Breakfast at Tiffany's and that song again is just like it's a beautiful song. It's like semi sad and melancholy. It's like a mm-hmm. love song. Um, you feel sort of like that, you know, the feeling of, of the character Holly Golightly, like singing that song and the like romance yet um, apprehension of like changing her lifestyle, her it just, you know, all of that, like built into that song. And uh, whenever I hear it, it just makes me smile. Like it's just such a beautiful song. <laughs> I, I'll be honest with you. I've never seen Breakfast at Tiffany. What? So yeah. So I I've seen other Audrey Hepburn films, but I've never yeah. seen that one. So whenever I hear the song Breakfast at Tiffany's, and it's not well for me, it's not the one thing we've got because I've never seen it. So yeah. So the the thing that I always liked about Breakfast at Tiffany's is that it's it's part of like a certain era, right? Like obviously it's like our mm-hmm. parents maybe generation when they're young, and for yeah. me, I always had this stereotype of like you know, people of that age, like never really being cool. But I think that movie does a really good job of like <laughs> of making me see people of that generation as like going through those same experiences that we have. And in the movie, mm-hmm. Audrey Hepburn portrays like pretty much like a party girl, like a Paris Hilton, like, um, yeah, who, yeah. Who, who's even, you know, maybe more relevant than that today, but like someone who's like, kind of vapid materialistic like just a partier and and then she mm-hmm. sort of her character has to like transform and she falls in love and and um but like there's there's like party scenes when you see like with jazz music and you're like oh yeah like people of that generation were young and cool and i almost want to say that it's like mm-hmm. even cooler than anything that's going on now because jazz music was so like fresh and hip and like avant-garde and like never been done before. And like the fashion oh, was really cool. Definitely. There, there, yeah. I mean, it's just so, so much of it is, is appealing to me watching it. So like, I definitely recommend it. Side note, like it is super racist. There's a part with Mickey Rooney. who plays her, his, um, <laughs> I, I know about that part. Yeah. yeah. Like that, that's like the, that's like the sign of the times of like when it was made and like how like horrible, but the rest of the movie is like nearly perfect. It just, it's really good. So I definitely like, you have to watch it. And um, it's a it's like a classic. You have to watch it. Yeah, I think I think what you said about the whole jazz club scenes and everything, how mm-hmm. that's, they seem to be even more cool than we are now. I think it goes back to like the marvelous Mrs. Maisel set around the same time era and how they go into different clubs and different um, 
like when she's in France and she visits that uh, burlesque show. And that just seemed like it was so much fun and so cool. And everyone's right? just so hip and cool with it. And it's just like, wow, can't we just go back there? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's definitely rom- uh, a, like a romanticized version of like that time mm-hmm. period. But yeah. I think for like people of like our generation, when we think of our, our parents being young, like it's easy for us to forget that they were like young and like cutting edge. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and, and like when you That's see true. like marvelous Mrs. Maisel to your point, like cussing and like joking about sex and like all this stuff. And mm-hmm. you're like, wait, they're like, they were like it. And it, it kind of like blows my mind when I think like, okay, I'm 40, I'm older now than like when my parents were, when they had me, but like, I looked at right. them as like so right. old, but like now I'm mm-hmm. like, it, it just, it's, it's weird. Like, it's still weird for me to like it, it, remind myself that like, it is. I'm, yeah. It, and so, um, I, I love that little <laughs> glimpse into that time period of that era of Breakfast at Tiffany's and that music and that song. Mm-hmm. And I think it's Henry Mancini that, that did that song. And it's just like a beautiful melody and song. That's what was next on, on your I'll list? i have to go watch that. Uh, next on my list. Well, I have a few um, options I can go with. Um, I'll start with. Okay. So the movie Top Gun. Um, there's a couple songs from there that I think when you think of Top Gun, that you can think of, but the one I chose was the righteous brothers. You've lost that love and feeling. Of course, it's the bar scene with Tom Cruise and ooh, what's his goose. What's the co-star's name? Um, I, I just lost Edward it. something. Yes, you're right. The guy from ER. Um, yeah. um, anyways, they're singing. You've lost that love and feeling to yeah. the, to the actress that plays uh, Tom Cruise's co-star um and it's just so iconic because when i hear that song now i think of that scene in the movie yeah so i mean and when i think of top gun that's where i first go to for um the scene and it's that song so that's just one of my choices i mean it's not the uh, probably not the most standout one but it's just i like that scene and it's just where my mind goes yeah nice good choice um my my next one is um so I'm just now realizing that all three of my choices are kind of cliche. Like I'm, they're very like obviously <laughs> gay choices. I, I went with Wizard of Oz, uh, Judy Garland, Audrey Hepburn. And then lastly, um, Lady Marmalade by Christina Aguilera, Pink, Little Cam, Maya, Missy Elliott from Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons why it was so fresh <laughs> in my mind is that I just saw Christina Aguilera at the Hollywood Bowl on Saturday. Um, oh, nice. And so I saw nice. her perform said song. Um, and so it very much is still <laughs> like playing in my my um, my my consciousness right now, um, which, by the way, she did an amazing song. She looked freaking mm-hmm. amazing. Um, voice still amazing. Probably like the voice of our generation. Um I saw Ariana Grande in the audience, which was kind of cool that she went to support Christina Aguilera, which was kind of neat. Uh, And then, so anyway, getting back to the song, um, it's just a really fun song to hear. I think it was the first time that, Mm -hmm. that like a lot of mainstream pop, like really took note of Christina Aguilera's vocals because she just kills it in that song. Like there's that moment where she like introduces herself into the song and it's like this riff and like powerhouse vocals from like this tiny, you know, little blonde um, girl. And I think that that was, everyone was like, wow, like she is going to be a, a person to be reckoned with. Like she's now a pop star. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love all the other, like Missy Elliott's like a creative genius. 
Um, Maya was really cool. Um, and Pink is also like one of my favorite artists. So like all yeah. of them together with like Little Kim was like visually, like sonically, everything was just like fun. The way they were all dressed like sex workers was like kind of like tongue in cheek and hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Moulin Rouge is like an amazing movie. They're actually the musical is coming back to Broadway. I think in September they're reopening, and oh, nice. I'm really excited to like. I wish I could go see it because I'm a fan of, of that as well. Uh, but just like a really fun song, like whenever it comes on, I think like a lot of people like to sing along to it. Um, it's fun. It's upbeat. Um, it had like it has the vocals. It has you know. It, it just has a lot of fun. It's a fun song for me. Um, and it's iconic from, I mean, it's now it's old. I want to say that it's probably like what, 20 years old, maybe. <laughs> so it's not even a recent probably, song. Yeah, like, I think yeah, you're right. 20 years old yeah. at least. And so, yeah. um, I guess it reminds me of like my, my young adulthood. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that was my, uh, my last choice of, of, uh, an iconic song from a movie, um, was Moulin Rouge. Nice. Yeah, that's a that's a great choice. I mean, when I hear that song, I think of the movie because, well, yeah, don't I don't know if I've never seen the complete Mulan Rouge movie. I've always wanted to, but yeah. I've just seen bits and pieces. Now, do they perform that song in the movie? They don't know. Okay, so it's just yeah. a it, it, it was soundtrack. just a song okay. to promote. Yeah, which which I, I've noticed that they haven't been doing a lot of recently. Like they don't really. Do you remember like you know in our you know, prime or whatever. They used to always have like a theme song come out. Our prime. <laughs> our, our youth. Uh, like, you know, like you think of like Celine Dion with the theme song from Titanic or Aerosmith mm-hmm. from whatever that movie was, the space movie. Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah. Like, I don't like, mm-hmm. have they, I feel like they don't really do that that much anymore. Like the only ones that I can think of is like Adele with like James Bond movie. And I think uh, Billie Eilish did well, a yeah. James Bond movie. But like, other than that, like they're, I mean, I guess the landscape of movies has changed so much. Like theater going has changed where like, it's not an event anymore like that. Like I can't really think of the last time that there was a well, song that came out to promote a movie that was like really big, like Titanic big, you you know? Yeah, I know what you mean. I think, I think you're right. I think now if movies are going to, songs are going to be for movies are going to be included within the movie. Like my yeah. last pick for right now was going to be shallow from a star is born. Mm. Now that's, that's a iconic song, uh, Emmy uh, Academy award winning song yeah. that um, is in the movie. So it's written within the whole landscape of the movie itself, but it's not just a movie, a song to promote the movie. Yeah. So I think you're right. I don't recall the last time that has come out, but yeah, a star is born shallow. I love that song. Lady Gaga and the, Bradley Cooper. Lady, yeah. I love seeing them perform it live, especially at the Academy Awards. And mm-hmm. it's just, you can, and that I think is, that movie, the whole movie itself is what really made me a fan of Lady Gaga. Yeah. Because before then, I there was the whole hoopla, the performance, you know, everything surrounding her. But I really hadn't honed in on her vocals until that movie. And that movie just, a Star Wars born in my eyes, not to be cliche, but it really was. I mean, after that movie, I went back and I listened to almost all of her discography. Is that the right word? Disc discography. Discography. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I got to hear, and I'm glad that I did because she is so phenomenal. She is so powerful. She's so wonderful. And then, of course, all the philanthropic stuff that she does now. Yeah. It just makes her even 
better <laughs> if yeah. possible. But yeah, that song right there is what really put me into the Lady Gaga fandom. Yeah. So. Yeah, you just needed to talk to the gays, and we could have told you that she was a genius a couple years ago, but <laughs> saved you some time. But hey, we got to find it out on ourselves sometimes, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Street guys are always like five steps behind, but it's okay. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of mad that I didn't bring it up because, like I said, my list is, is like kind of gay centric and so i'm i'm kind of shocked and surprised that i didn't bring up lady gaga and and uh that song because that's kind of right thematically fits within what i was you know talking about but um it is a great song and and it is to to my point earlier about like songs for movies that is probably one of the most recent ones where i mean that song was everywhere that i mean it's such a great song that it Mm -hmm. it crossed boundaries like they were playing it everywhere yeah. Um, and it, Academy Awards movies, like it, it just was such a good song. And I think they even recorded it while like live, right? Like while they were filming the movie, I want to say like, yeah, I think so in yeah. concert mm-hmm. and, um, both really talented, like acting wise, singing wise. Um, and the fact that like, I always kind of think it's hilarious is the, the fact that Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga performed it at the Oscars and his girlfriend was so upset with like the emotion that they had together <laughs> that she was like, you can't right. tell me you're not cheating on me with her. And I was like, well, they are acting <laughs> and they are right. performers. So like, you don't model, like, what do you think that they're going to do? Like, of course they're going to connect in that way. Like, <laughs> like it was just so funny. Maybe, like, maybe she was mad because she also saw them perform. I guess there was a, a night she was performing in Vegas and Bradley Cooper was in the audience. So she brought him on stage and they performed that song and they had that same sort of chemistry. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I like another tangent or note uh, Lady Gaga just announced that she's going to be for performing. I think it's called like one last time with Tony Bennett for his, I want to say like 95th oh, nice. birthday in New York. Okay. And I'm like, I would give anything like it always was like, me and my dad's like, we have to see Tony Bennett. Like this is really morbid, but before he passes away, because he's obviously like up there in age. Um, and my dad is like a really big, huge, like huge Tony Bennett mm-hmm. fan. Um, I have been for like many, many years, like since I was a kid, um, loved Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett together. Like, I think that was also another um, area where she yeah. really proved her talent when she started singing like jazz standards with, with um, Tony. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's probably going to be super expensive, like an impossible to get, but like, I can't even imagine to be able to see them like <laughs> literally one last time. It's like a once in a lifetime moment. And, uh, what I wouldn't give to be able to see that, like, I, it, it almost makes me sad because like the saying like one last time, like it's, it hints at the fact like that farewell, like, it might yeah. be his like last yeah. performance, sort of like Tina Turner when she, mm-hmm. you know, accepted her, uh, you know, award or, or, and was like, I'm done. Like I'm not performing anymore. And, and it's like, you have to kind of focus on like how much joy that they've brought to our lives as fans and like, as, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, you know, people who have, you know, listened to their music and their films and all of that. Uh, and, you know, but when it's an end of an era, like how, how, how it's just like, you know, it, it, how can you not be saddened by that, that, you know, someone who is so right. culturally relevant that like decades, like has been able to mm-hmm. bring artistry mm-hmm. to us. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I, th- I thought that that was really cool and I, I wish I could go. So should I rub it in that Christina and I have seen Tony Bennett live? 
Have you really? <laughs> yeah, we saw him at San Diego Symphony Hall many, wow. many moons ago. But it was his voice is just so legendary. Yeah. And I remember um, during the performance, he goes, we're taking this acoustic. So he shut off all the microphones, all the instruments, and he belted out Fly Me to the Moon. Wow. And it was just like pins and needles and chills. It yeah. was so fantastic. And that's how we kind of chose our wedding song was from that performance. So thank you, Tony Bennett. <laughs> wow. that That's amazing. Like I, I'm super jealous because like I said, that was on my bucket list. And sadly, like it looks like I probably will never be able to see him live. Um, but that's great. I'm so like, that's awesome that you are able to have that and share that memory with Christina. And then it you evolve into like your memory wedding and then, you know, for it to be mm-hmm. like such a special moment for you. So that, that's really cool. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was really nice. Really nice. Yeah. I like that a lot. So I did hear the album that he did with Chris, oh, with Lady Gaga and those songs are fantastic. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, and he's, he's done, I mean, he's so relevant that like so many artists want to work with him. Like the work that he did with Amy Winehouse was amazing. The song that he did mm-hmm. with Christina oh, yeah, Aguilera, like mm-hmm. so many of the people that like I love mm-hmm. that are like of our, you know, scene, I guess, if you will. Uh, but everyone recognizes him as being like such an amazing talent. Um, and so yeah. like he, he, he's up there with, with all of the greats for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, there was a few other songs that I had and I won't get into all of them, but just real quick. So I also thought about a little different way of looking at it. So what sort of like song scores mm-hmm. really stood out to me that you could hear and you knew exactly what movie it was. You know exactly what part in the movie came out. So I thought like the Imperial March from Star Wars is like iconic Darth Vader entrance music. Yeah. So if you hear that, your mind, at least my mind, I already see Darth Vader appearing and walking down. And and you know exactly that something good is not going to happen for, the, for no. the good guys. Same goes for like um, a lot of them actually were John Williams um, scores. So like Raiders of the Lost Ark theme. So mm-hmm. we know Indiana Jones, you hear that, you're picturing Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones, the Superman theme song. We, when I hear that, I picture Christopher Reeve, you know, the original, well, not the original, the original movie Superman. Yeah. And some say will argue is the best still, but um, a couple other ones that aren't John Williams, I think, but the theme song from Jaws, you hear that, you want to get out of the water yeah, because, you know, there's going to be a shark coming at you. Yeah. And the last one was the theme song from Halloween. Yeah. The movie Halloween. So you hear that and you're looking around and looking in the shadows because that is such an iconic score and song for that movie. Yeah. I I, I tend to probably like, I'm not like a super huge fan of like score music. Like I wouldn't ever mm-hmm. go to a symphony and you know how people like to listen to like the star Wars music yeah. or whatever. Um, but I do have to say that like some of the standout like scores for me would be um, everything that Danny Elfman does, I think is so unique and creative. Very Uh, true. Very true. He's, he's just like a genius of, and like reinvented score music and to pair it Mm -hmm. with like Tim Burton movies, who is like Mm -hmm. another genius and like who I love the visuals. So like marrying the sounds to those visuals is like perfect for me. Um, there yeah. was one other one that I was I, I thought of, and then it my train of thought like got off. It was it, um, <laughs> Danny Elfman, and then um, 
God, I can't think of it now, but, uh, but yeah, horror movies are, are definitely another one that like the sounds mm-hmm. are just like the exorcist. I think the theme song from the exorcist, like still gives me chills. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And then all the, all the music that they do for like, um, like the Avengers, like also sticks out on my mind too. Like their theme song was like very standout and like you hear it. Um, and it reminds you of the movies. And so, uh, yeah, you know, I respect yeah. all, all of those films, but yeah, definitely Danny Elfman is like hands down probably like my yeah, favorite. Danny composer. Elfman is, is awesome. Yeah, for like um, what Corpse Bride, Nightmare Before Christmas, even the Simpsons theme song. So hey, yeah. he, Edward Scissorhands, he all those. Edwards, yeah. yep, Beetlejuice. Yeah, I think um that goes hand in hand. You said you mentioned Tim Burton that a lot of directors when they're choosing their music. So I think to like Quentin Tarantino, I think like Edgar Wright, I think like um, Wes Anderson is another one. They they put, I don't want to say a lot of emphasis on it, but they treat their music selection as like another character in their movie. And I think that's really cool. And I really enjoy that. And I really, I wasn't growing up, wasn't a huge fan of like soundtracks and stuff. Yeah. But as I come to appreciate film and I've come to appreciate cinema and director style that the musical score and songs that they pick that they use to tell their story and move the story along. It's so fascinating. And it's such a great opportunity for us to see another dimension to the film. So kudos to all those directors who can do that fabulously. Yeah. I mean, and with Quentin, with Quentin Tarantino for me, or, you know, you mentioned Wes Anderson, people like that. I think that the reason why they appeal to me so much is that they're definitely like, geeks like they understand the importance of like all this like pulling from all the different types of pop culture like whether it be like fashion so like definitely wardrobe is very important to them they understand like the look of their movie and their characters like the language that their characters speak uh they both have very distinctive styles of like what their movies look like and specifically like how they sound and you know, the soundtracks for yeah. like Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown, mm-hmm. like all of his movies mm-hmm. like are so well thought out of like what the songs are going to be like Kill Bill, um, the sa- the music yeah. that they use for that. Um, one of the other films that like I, I really think of a soundtrack that like I love the soundtrack and I listen to it all the time is, well, I, I guess maybe not. Yeah, it's the soundtrack. Um, the soundtrack to Train Spotting is probably like one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. Okay. Like, it has okay. such good mood, like Iggy Pop, like Blondie, um, Elastica, mm-hmm. um, like it, it just like it goes from like all the like, different de- decades. And um, I am an Anglophile, like I love like you know the UK. And shout out to Scotland because that's where some of our listeners are out. But, uh, and <laughs> and, and, um, and so, like, around. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and. And I, I just love that. Like I can listen to the soundtrack to train spotting like all the time. Like the music from there is like so good. And um, another, yeah. I think another one, Danny Boyle that like really pays attention to like visuals, wardrobe sound. Like I, I just, I love and appreciate people like that, that are like, you know, like brethren of us, like that are like devour pop culture, like comic books, mm-hmm. uh, music, mm-hmm. literature, art, like photography, like, and and um and then like sort of mush it all together and then create this like really cool project that has like it almost makes you watch it more than once because like it has so many different layers like you can see things again the second time like characters that that like are only in it for like a little bit but like have such cool you know witty lines and and, you, you know um 
I, do, I like them. I, I say what you will about Quentin Tarantino and his personal life or his beliefs or <laughs> I, he's very controversial apparently, but um, I, mm-hmm. I do love his films like good, bad or indifferent, I guess. Uh, and, and I love Danny Boyle films as well. So I don't know. I, I, I those, think, those I are think, good examples. They are good examples. I think um, another thing that stands out for me when directors too, when they choose their soundtracks, they can pick a song out of like, almost like the obscure secondhand bin and it fits so perfectly into the story that they're trying to tell. Like, like take James Gunn and the guardians of the galaxy soundtracks, you know, some of those were popular in their day, but maybe to our generation and to generations after us who might never had heard of like, say for example, Mr. Blue sky from guardian of the galaxy Two, the opening sequence where baby Groot is dancing along to it. I would personally, I never heard that song before. Yeah, And for it to play such a big part in the movie, in the opening scene, and tell the story of, you know, here's this baby tree guy who's, you know, just enjoying <laughs> life, who cares what's going on around him. But it's just, it's just, um, the whole soundtrack is just so fabulous. But I think when directors can do that, they can take songs to the next level. And that's why I think soundtracks are so powerful to pop culture. Pop yeah. culture. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, good list. I, I definitely, now I'm like, motivated to go listen to some sound some soundtracks and <laughs> oh that the, i remember the one that i that it all ties together my horror movie comment and the soundtrack um is um the soundtrack or the score to bram stoker's dracula one particular song is the okay. brides and and um that's like one okay. of my all-time favorite scores like it, it's so like <laughs> sexy and like scary and like all of that wrapped into one it's from the scene where keanu reeves character um is being seduced by like the three brides mm-hmm. of of i Dracula, know the scene yeah which like it's like not really scary because it's like 99.9 percent <laughs> of all men's fantasies even like a gay one just because they were really hot um, and and it's like oh please yeah stop stop um but anyway um it's just such a good song like it it's so um mm-hmm. sensual like scary um like it has that like eeriness about it, but at the same time, like it's seductive. Like, it's such a good song. Like I listen to that song like randomly, like when it's not Halloween, um, because it's such a it's <laughs> it's such a good song, and I'm such a weirdo. <laughs> right on. Okay, I'm gonna end with this. Um, I'm gonna ask you a question. So, and I'll tell you mine afterwards. What's your favorite? If you had to pick one, if we had a gun to your head, favorite movie soundtrack. That you could listen to over and over again. Could be anything. Could be from a musical. Could be from a an animated film. Could be from any movie, modern, classic, whatnot. If you like had the, to pick one, what would it be? Yeah, like I, I I have to say that I'm going back to like the the soundtrack to Train Spotting. Like I literally played that okay. CD like nonstop. And funny to like bring it into like our relationship. Like I used to play that at Wells Fargo when I worked with with Christina, your wife, like I would put it, I would, cause we had like, you know, the Muzak like for the bank and I'm like, let me slip this in here into the CD yeah. player to see if they even notice. And then they would like, tell me, okay, you have to turn that off. But like, I just love that, that CD, that album, like the music on there, like Lou Reed, perfect day is like one of my favorite songs. Like it's so good. Um, Iggy pop. Yeah, I'm looking at the life. list now. That is some good song. Um, it, it just, a top like beginning to end i can listen to it like right now and like fall asleep to it i can listen tomorrow on my way to work and it would like hype me up and i'd be ready for my day like it's such a good soundtrack so yeah that's that's my answer what's yours 
Mine is The Crow soundtrack. The Crow, the soundtrack to the movie The Crow with um, Violet Femmes. You got The Cure. You got um, Nine Inch Nails doing cover songs. You got, I think, a cover song of Joy Division. And then you got, um, it's just such a powerful, darker type of soundtrack. So and yeah. it fits the movie perfectly. Um, the Crow, you know, the uh, famous Brandon Crow's, Brandon Lee's last film where yeah. tragically he was killed while making it but it's just such a fabulous soundtrack and i can listen to that all the time even stone the actually the stone temple pilots track on there is probably one of my favorite stone temple tr- pilots song of all time i have to check it out now because but i yeah, i mean i know that i was a big fan of that movie um but like i can't necessarily think of the soundtrack right now like it's not popping into my head so i have to go check that oh, out goodness you need to go look at that my goodness yeah, yeah. I mean, Rage Against the Machine is on there. Helmet, Pantera. Um, I said Violent Femmes. Yeah. Jesus and Mary Chain. And, and then I love them. it's just so awesome. Yeah, I you have gotta, to check that out. You got to listen to it tonight. Go check it out. As soon as we're while, done here, While you were talking, I was just like, that, that's kind of surprising <laughs> for Danny. And I'm like, but how awesome would it have been if like you had like turned just for a second and then come back with like your goth like crow makeup on? <laughs> One one Halloween, I did go as the crow. I had the the Brandon Lee face paint, yeah. And it, I think, you know, I was older then, so I think it was for high school. You know, Halloween, we dressed up that one yeah. year, friends and I. But we, I went as the crow, and it was so fun. And nice. I didn't have the long hair, but it was the makeup and just that that movie itself is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. So I feel like like if you had like five people of our generation, like three out of those five guys have be- have dressed up as the crow, like from our generation, like when that came out, like that was probably like one of the most popular costumes, like the long, like the yep. hair was really popular. Like I had that hairstyle, the makeup. I mean, it was so cool. Like it was like super iconic. Like I, I love that. That movie is so good. Uh, yeah. That, that's awesome. Great choice. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks everyone for tuning into our very first, you know, video is it a video podcast or I don't know what you call it, but I'm, I'm our so video stream. Of... <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe. Um, we'll have this out on our normal podcast channels for everyone to hear in its entirety. So we expect you to share it. We expect you to listen to it and you get to watch us. How about that? So take awesome. care, everyone. Be safe.